Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 5 of Building Strength with Theo Lim. For today's episode, I've got three questions on the docket. And just a quick reminder, if you guys ever have any questions regarding training, nutrition, life, books, whatever, anything, hit me up on Instagram. The Instagram is at Theodore.Lim. We're going to jump right into it. First question is from Carlo. He asked me this a couple months ago before I got the podcast running. And we're going to get to it right now. Carlo is the man behind Loaded Bar Collective. Y'all know Loaded Bar Collective. If you don't, now you know. So Carlo asks, how do you deal with mental burnout from training? Mental burnout from training. So immediately when I think about this, I think that mental burnout is usually caused by physical burnout. And physical burnout is usually caused by lack of recovery, meaning lack of sleep or lack of optimal nutrition. So what I mean is um, with mental burnout, I think a lot of it comes back to setting realistic goals and setting a realistic amount of training days. So for example, if you train, if you set out to train five days a week and you've never trained before, you might be, you might be able to do it for two, three, maybe four weeks. But after that, you're going to burn out. You're going to get tired. Your body's not going to enjoy it. You're not going to enjoy it. You just um, simply, you weren't prepared for that at this point in time. So I always recommend, every time I meet someone, I always recommend picking a very realistic amount of days to train. Because if you set out to train five days a week from the get-go, and your schedule doesn't allow for that, you might hit three or four workouts and you'll miss a day. And that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good mentally. So what, actually I started with, uh, with my coach about nine weeks ago now. And my dear friend Alex, who we spoke about last episode. So I set out training four days a week. And in the back of my mind, I knew four days would be a bit tough, but it's possibly doable. So I set out four days a week. We did that for the first three weeks and it just wasn't working for me. I knew, I knew that I couldn't get, I couldn't make the time for those four days a week at, at this point in time due to like work obligations or obligations with the family four days a week 
is a bit of a stretch. So I asked him to bring it down to three days a week. So we brought it down to three days a week, and we've been doing that for the past six weeks now. And it feels much better to be able to hit all the workouts and still feel good about it. And what I've started implementing now is squeezing in 10, 15 minutes here and there on the days that I'm not really doing the full workouts on. So I'll do 10 to 15 minutes of stretching or animal flow, or I'll do some light arm work, um, just run through circuits of biceps, triceps, face pulls, you know, stuff like that, stuff that will get me sweating a little bit, will make me feel good, I'll get a bit of a pump, and then that's it. So the point I'm getting to is that always set a realistic amount of days to train. Because missing workouts doesn't feel good, it doesn't help you build momentum, and overall, <laughs> the, the biggest thing is like mentally it doesn't feel good so with mental burnout just be smart about your training pick proper pick a good amount of days to train have a realistic schedule i always recommend to look at it from the standpoint like a weekly standpoint don't just look at it from don't just go with it don't wing it because if you wing it like say you do a workout today with one friend and tomorrow you're going to do a workout with another friend and then on the third day you're going to work out on your own and then on the fourth day you're going to go for a run so that's if that wasn't planned prior to you doing it it's you're just kind of winging it and then it's going to catch up real quick because after three or four days of hard intense training you're going to be pooped for the next day or two right so always look at it from a weekly standpoint try to plan your workouts try to plan your training just know um, schedule it into your schedule write it down and just just be smart about it make a good plan and be smart about it so in terms of mental burnout Carlo I think um, mental burnout stems from physical burnout it's just there's uh, this one thing I always think about is um, the one thing I always think about is that the gym training running swimming anything although it makes us feel good like it's a nice stress relief for most of us uh, we leave the gym feeling good, um, endorphins are rushing, we got the hormones going. Although that's true, training is still a stressor. For example, approaching the squat rack day in and day out with heavy weight is stressful. It is stressful because it takes up not just physical energy, but it takes up a lot of mental energy. To sit there and know that you're going to put X amount of weight on your back and that it will be tough, right? Which isn't a bad thing. Like, that's an excellent, like, lifting weights is excellent. But just know that 
training in general is a stressor. And add that on top of all of life's other stressors. That's where burnout happens. So say, say something happens in your family or like someone hits in, someone hits your car or you get in a car crash, anything, right? You fall off your bicycle, whatever you fall down the stairs, you know, life happens. So these things happen. Your body is stressed. Your mind is stressed. And on those days, if you try to go into the gym and hit the weights that were planned, it might feel bad. It will probably feel bad. Um, and then with the added stress, injuries might happen. So just be aware, very aware of these things. Like if you are having a very stressful week or a very stressful month, maybe dial your training back a little. Don't skip it completely, but say the plan is to squat 315 for five that day. And you know that would be that would be doable on any other day, but today it's not. Maybe do 315 for one or two and do a couple sets there. You know, so just regulate. Be very aware of yourself. Be very aware of how you're feeling and what you're capable of on any given day. That's my general advice for training and burning out. Again, just be very smart. Be very reasonable. Be very realistic. And always, always, long-term consistency is the king. Question number two by our boy Abelizo. He asks, what is the best morning meal? Because he's tired of eating the same thing. He says he's always eating Greek yogurt, always eating oatmeal. I definitely get that. Um, to be honest, I'm not the best person to answer this question regarding morning meals. Because I don't really eat breakfast. On most days, I don't eat breakfast. On most days, my first meal comes at... 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. in that area but I do know a lot about eating oats Greek yogurt I thoroughly enjoy those foods one thing I would recommend is to have a solid variety like just a solid lineup of food that you can prepare or prepare in advance so what I've been doing recently is overnight oats and I just, I'm not currently counting any macros. And Avalizo, I don't think you're counting macros as well. You might be, but I don't think you're, you're probably not too strict on them at this point in time. So I pack my oats with everything and anything that will make it taste good. So I've got bananas in there. I've got strawberries. I've got chocolate chips. Got me some coconut flakes, some chia seeds. And the biggest thing, the secret to good oats. Peanut butter, lots of peanut butter, and lots and lots of honey. So that's the secret right there. Again, it's going to depend on your nutritional goals or dietary restrictions. But for me, I'm not really too strict on my diet right now 
So I just throw anything in there that I know I'll enjoy and I know that it'll taste good. For me, I've got a big sweet tooth, so the honey really helps. The peanut butter makes it super tasty. And I forgot I add cinnamon in there too. And I've got, for Greek yogurt, Greek yogurt's pretty good. Again, if you're not too tight on the macros right now, there's a lot of like flavored Greek yogurt that you can do. Um, and actually one huge, like one really good thing with Greek yogurt to get so much protein in and it doesn't even feel like you're eating that much protein. So get your Greek yogurt, plain or flavored, whatever you like, add a scoop, add a half scoop or a scoop of protein powder, and then add a sweetener if you need it, mix that all up. It's crazy. It's crazy. I look at it, I eat it, and I'm just thinking, no way this is 40 or 50 grams of protein. Just no way. Because it doesn't even it doesn't even feel like that much food. So that's my Greek yogurt insider tip. Give that a shot, guys. Let me know how it is. And as I said earlier, just get some solid variety. Like do you eat if you eat eggs? Um, switch it up every now and then, do some sunny side, do some scrambled. Um, if you're, if you're into bread, do some bread, peanut butter and jam, you know, keep it simple. I think there's lots of options for breakfast, lots of options in, for meals in general. And there's so many resources out there. Like if you type into Google, easy breakfast recipes. I'm sure so many are going to pop out. Try some, find the ones you like, find the ones that are easy to make. Keep that in your rotation and just go for it. So I hope that helps, Abelizo. Just get some variety, try new things. Make it taste good so you'll want to eat it. That's like the biggest key, right? And we got question number three here. Question number three is from Omar, my boy. Always providing excellent questions that make me think. Question number one from Omar, we've got two parts here. How do you train for different goals? And he goes on to say, so how do you train for fat loss and muscle retention? And how would you train for bulking up with minimal fat gain? So I'm guessing, Omar, you're talking about the weight room or the gym in general, because like me, you're a meathead. <laughs> okay, so training for fat loss and training for bulking. In general, the strength training for both of these goals will stay the same. Strength training is always constant. Whether you're trying to lose fat or whether you're trying to bulk up, Strength training is key. It's the foundation of training. And it's not the only thing, but I'd say it's a very important factor of training. So if you're training for fat loss, do some strength training. Do your regular strength training. And then add in 
some kind of conditioning work or some kind of cardiovascular work because being in cardiovascular shape or having a good amount of conditioning will help you with your strength training. It'll help you with everyday life. So what I do actually with all my clients, most of them have a goal to lose fat. Like everyone wants to lose fat. That's across the board. Basically, everybody wants to lose fat. So we do strength training work. We do about 40 to 50 minutes of strength training. And at the end, we always finish with some kind of conditioning finisher. Whether that's the sled or the battle ropes or doing sprints, assault bike, or even bodyweight finishers. There are so many options here. Pick something you enjoy, stick with it for a couple weeks, and then switch it up. Keep it fresh. So with the with the finishers at the end of the workout, they really don't take much time. They're, they take about five minutes. Five minutes or less, and we're done. So it's very high intensity. So say someone trains with me two to four times a week, we pretty much do a finisher every single time. And what I find is that most people enjoy the concise five-minute finishers rather than doing a full-on 40-minute conditioning workout every week. That's just what I found in general. I know a lot of people do enjoy the 40 to 60 minute conditioning workouts. I personally don't, but again, just like everything with nutrition, with training, life in general, it's up to personal preference. So with fat loss, I would just stick with strength training and then I would add in an appropriate number of cardio days or an appropriate number of conditioning or finishers. And in terms of bulking up, training for bulking up, I think Omar knows this already. I think he's just throwing, trying to, he's just trying to test me here. So you're training to bulk up. I would still do the finishers. I would still do conditioning finishers, even if someone was trying to bulk up, because that will help them stay in shape. The tagline is, be strong, be in shape. So I wouldn't necessarily change that person's training if they're trying to bulk up. They might not need to do 20, 30 minutes of cardio work like the person trying to lose fat would be doing. But still having some kind of base of cardiovascular strength, cardiovascular capacity is important. So if you're training to bulk up, at the end of the day, these goals are all based on nutrition, right? If you're trying to lose fat, you have to eat for that goal. If you're trying to bulk up, you have to eat for that goal as well. So that's how I would answer that question. We got part two here. How to use the gym for your chosen sport, whether it's running or cycling. So how do you use the weight room for your chosen sport, whether it's running, cycling, basketball, any sport really? Okay, so what I really like about the gym and how I think about it in relation to outside of the gym, the gym is kind of the lab. It's the lab 
it's a very controlled environment where things can be done optimally, safely, and to the best of our ability. And in sports and in outside life, things are not always optimal. Things are very unpredictable. Say you're on a basketball court or you're on a soccer field. Things are very unpredictable. Like there are so many things that can happen out there that like a lot of things can go very wrong outside of the gym and in and in sports in general so like running there could be like a bit of a divot in the floor and your ankle could go or on the soccer field same thing like someone could um, slide tackle you and some kind of injury occurs but anyway what i'm getting to is that strength training working in the gym can basically benefit everyone so for me for my personal recommendations now as i grow and evolve as a coach if someone has a lot of activity say they're running two to four times a week or they're swimming or they're playing or they're practicing basketball three four times a week as well I always, always, always recommend a minimum of two days of strength training. I think two days of strength training is very doable for everyone. And I think it also lays a good baseline strength. So two days of strength training, I think will benefit absolutely everyone across the board. So back to the gym being a lab. I'm big on squatting, deadlifting, more so with the trap bar these days, but squatting, deadlifting, lunging, and then with the upper body pushing and pulling just to build that musculature around the body. Like in terms of impact in sports, the stronger your muscles are generally means the stronger your joints, your tendons, your ligaments will be. So if you can improve and make gains in these departments inside of the gym, it's only going to benefit you outside of the gym. Like if you fall down upon impact or whatever you slip on ice or someone tackles you i personally think this is kind of bro science but this is just from my personal experience and what i've seen with other people if you have more muscle <laughs> muscles if you have more muscles if you have stronger tendons stronger limit ligaments around the hips around your shoulders around your ankles around the knees if you fall Chances are, again, this is bro science. I actually have done no scientific research. This is all from experience. If you fall and you're generally a stronger person, you have more muscle mass on you, you have more lean muscle mass. If you fall, you're probably not going to get, your chance of injury is probably not as high as the person who has fewer muscles on their body. 
weaker tendons, weaker ligaments, all of these things will affect will affect you when you fall or when you get hit by someone, you crash into the boards. You know, again, there are so many outside factors when you're playing sports or just in general life. Like we live in Canada, there's ice all over the floor for like four months of the year. I think if someone is generally stronger and they slip on ice, their chances of getting severely hurt it's definitely less than the person who doesn't strength train. So back to using the gym. I was saying that I'm a big fan of the big lifts just in terms of strength, but I'm also a big fan of little lifts. Little lifts are actually the more important ones. These are the rehab exercises that you'd probably end up doing if you got hurt. I have a health scale. I call this the health scale how healthy is a movement for us so for example we have glute bridges glute bridges you lie on the floor you raise up your hips you squeeze the butt very good for your glutes very good for your low back very good for spinal health hip health so on a health scale glute bridges are like a nine out of ten i think if every single person Especially like if you're sitting a lot all day, if every single office worker did three sets of 20 glute bridges every day or even every other day, they would definitely see, they would feel better, low back would feel better, wouldn't be as stiff, there would be more muscles in the glutes and that will help support and offload a lot of what the low back is doing. So anyway, we got glute bridges. We have lateral band walks I'm a big fan of. You know, you put the mini band around the ankles or around the knees and you just take side steps. Those, for me, super healthy. Again, bringing up the glutes. What else we got? We got single leg glute bridges. We have things like band pull-aparts for the shoulders, for the rotator cuff, for the upper back musculature. These things are so healthy and they're not going to take anything away from your current sport or activity. Like I don't want to take if someone's if someone's invested in their sport what the amount they squat or the amount they deadlift doesn't really matter. Their goal is to perform in their sport, which I fully understand and I fully support. So, you don't necessarily have to squat heavy but I think you, I think um, every person who's involved in sports, whether it be running or volleyball or basketball, they should know how to organize themselves so they can squat well, even if it's just with body weight or a dumbbell in front of you for goblet squats. Not everyone has to squat with a barbell on their back. If it doesn't feel good, not going to enjoy it and injuries might happen so anyway back to what i was saying i think every person involved in sports should have a baseline knowledge and awareness of their body so they know how to perform a body weight squat that is the most optimal for them they should know how to deadlift whether it be the trap bar whether it be a kettlebell or the straight bar it doesn't matter i think 
knowing how to organize the body so you can lift something in the most optimal way in order to prevent injuries is very important. So the big lifts, very important just to know how to do them. And then also for the upper body, like doing a lot of pulling exercises, a lot of rowing, barbell rows, dumbbell rows, pull-ups, chin-ups, body rows. These are only going to benefit you. They're not going to take away from anything you do in your given sport. And then we've got upper body pushing. I mean, if you're playing sports, you don't have to be the strongest person there or you don't have to be lifting an insane amount of weight, but you should be strong for you. So back to the little exercises, we have band pull aparts. Things like face pulls are so efficient, so helpful just for shoulder health. Always think of it from like a standpoint, a joint standpoint, as in when we warm up, it's always about the shoulders. It's always about the spine. Then we got the hips and then we got the knees and ankles. The hips and ankles kind of take care of the knees. So we don't really do much directly for the knees. We do, but I don't say it like that. So generally it's shoulders, hips, sorry, shoulders, spine, hips, ankles. We got four touch points. And also with strength training, strength training is not just lifting weights. It is, but it's not because you have to warm up to lift weights. And I find a lot of people who just play sports don't have a good warm-up routine. I think a warm-up routine is super, super effective, not only to prevent injuries and not only to warm us up to lift, but I always, always, always tell people that the warm-up is your opportunity to diagnose yourself on that day. As in, if I'm doing, in general, the same warm-up every single time, I'm going to know when I do those band pull-aparts that, wow, why am I feeling my low back when I'm doing band pull-aparts today? I've, I haven't felt this in the last two weeks. Okay, there must be something going on today. So just take that mental note. And also when you go to do your hip stretches. Wow, why are my hips so tight today? You know, just take those mental notes and it's going to build self-awareness in your own body, which is very key for longevity. Like, you need to learn how your body feels. So use the warm-up as a diagnosis. And this will go back to the... Um, this kind of ties back to the first question regarding mental burnout. Because... If you're not able to diagnose yourself within your warm-up, or if you don't even do a warm-up, how do you know how you're feeling that day? So then if you don't know how you're feeling that day, and you go into lift weights, and suddenly it's so heavy, but you don't know why, it's like, where is the awareness there? So if there's lack of awareness, then injuries come up or mental burnout comes up due to physical burnout. So again... Self-awareness is so key. So using the gym for your chosen sport. Sorry, I've gone off on like 10 tangents here. I think the gym, 
again, as I said, it's a very controlled environment for you to do your warm-up, for you to take time and do your warm-up, learn how your body feels on any given day, and use that to determine not how hard you should be going, but like how intense you should be going that day. Maybe you can back off today and then save it for the next day. But I think building up that awareness, a lot of athletes are, um, what I've been noticing more and more, a lot of athletes are just simply talented. Not saying they don't work hard. I'm saying they're just talented and they're just very natural at doing their sport. So a lot of times, they don't need to think about ankle tightness or hip tightness because they're just good at doing it, which is great. Like, But for us, um, for mere mortals like myself, a good warm-up routine, cultivating a good warm-up routine, and within that routine, developing self-awareness within your own body and how you're feeling mentally as well is very helpful. And then in general, strength training, moving well, lifting well, and just getting stronger. Not neglecting little things like lateral band walks or face pulls. These things are very important as well, and they should be integrated either within the warm-up or as fillers between exercises. So to wrap it all up, use the gym to develop yourself use the gym to develop your awareness it's only going to benefit you obviously don't go ham like training smart is very key especially if you want to avoid injuries and especially if you want to stay in the gym for a long period of time i don't mean a long period of time like a three-hour workout i mean longevity in the sense that you want to play your sport for the next five to ten years I assume most people do want to continue what they're doing. What probably stops them is getting injured or not feeling good, which can be offsetted with developing a good warm-up, developing good body and self-awareness, and then just simply getting stronger. If you guys follow Mark Bell from Super Training, his famous quote is, that strength is never a weakness. With that being said, thank you guys for listening. I hope I answered your questions. And if you have any more questions, feel free to message me. My Instagram is at theodore.lim. I'm going to wrap it up there. As always, I appreciate you guys for all the love and support. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, make sure to do so. And I will link the show notes in the description. Check it out at theodore.lim. Nope, it's not theodore.lim. theodorelim.ca slash podcasts. Catch you all next time. Peace.